Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Home Gym Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Kozak, founder and owner of Custom Home Gyms Canada. Thank you so, so very much for joining me in another episode. The first four episodes have gone amazing. Thank you so much for the feedback. I truly appreciate it. All the engagement, all the comments, all the DMs. It's been very encouraging and I'm super pumped that I could continue the podcast. Just a reminder, it is the bi-monthly podcast. That means it airs twice a month, the 15th and the 30th, every single month. Now, there's a special call out for all of my listeners. If you have anyone that you think should be on this show, send them a DM, send them my way, do what you got to do, tag me in their profile, tag them in my profile, do whatever you got to do, bring them as attention to me or vice versa. Going to try to get as many different people on the show as possible. We have a really, really cool show upcoming in February with a very high profile guest, not going to say his name, uh, but you've definitely heard of him in the garage gym world. So really, really, really looking forward to that. But don't worry, today's episode's going to be just as great. It's jam-packed with information. Now, before, if you listen to this podcast in 2020, I gave you my top three reasons to build a home gym in 2021. Today, I'm going to give you my top 10 tips for building that home gym in 2021. So let's say you got on board. You said, yeah, you know what, Justin? I want to build that home gym, but where do I start? How do I not make mistakes? How do I save money? How do I save time? All that stuff you promised to me in the first episode, how do I do it? Give me some meat. Give me some substance. And that's what today's episode is all about. Now, if you want to read about this, I mean, who reads anyways? That's boring. But check out my website at customhomegymscanada.com. Don't forget the S at the end of gyms. And head on over to the blogs, and you'll see I have my top 10 tips broken up into blog form. It's a two-part blog post just because I wrote close to 4,000 words. So nobody's going to read that in one blog post. So split it up into two. Uh, Both of those blog posts are live by the time you're listening to this podcast episode. So go ahead and check that out if you want to read up on it. Uh, I included some links and some photos and some things like that just for your reference there. All right, now. Without further ado, let's dive into it. My top 10 tips. Now, I should say, these are in no particular order. They're just my top 10 tips. So the 10th tip is just as good as the first tip. Uh, In fact, I didn't really put them in any sort of particular order, just the order that I thought of them. Um, So yeah, you're going to have to deal with that, unfortunately. Although I will say this first tip is very important. So it is a good spot to be in number one. The first tip I have is to determine your budget ahead of time. I think this is a super important piece because what happens for most folks is they're not sure how much a home gym costs, okay? They think maybe $2,000, dollars $5,000, $10,000, $50,000. I got to throw off my Apple Watch there. It's bugging the hell out of me. Um, and, and they don't know what the home gym costs, but they have some sort of amount in their mind that they can't go past, 3000 4000 whatever. But they don't really actually put pen to paper and plan it all out. And what happens is they just buy a few pieces of equipment. They buy a squat rack or they buy a barbell or they buy a glute ham developer. And what happens is some people will buy stuff like a treadmill, for instance, and they'll go, well, the treadmill is $3,000. Okay, well, I also want dumbbells, a squat rack, barbell, weight plates, yada, 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 and my budget's $5,000. Well, you just bought a treadmill that's $3,000, and that's taken up most of your budget, and you hadn't even considered the other pieces that you were going to buy. 
And it's because they hadn't really planned it out or set that budget ahead of time. They just said, I don't want to spend more than 5000 And then they went and bought a treadmill. And what's going to happen, and this is my big fear for some people, is the fact that people will buy gym equipment and they won't build a home gym, right? And there's a big difference in my opinion. And so what it really comes down to is building a gym is much more than buying equipment. It's all the aspects of it. It's putting it together. It's the mirrors. It's the lighting. It's the floors. It's the aesthetics. It's the whole functionality of the space. And if you don't determine a budget that you can stick to and you buy some equipment and then all of a sudden you go, well, this is, this is way more than I anticipated for. I, I can't spend more than this amount of dollars. Um, then what happens is you're often left with a home gym that is 30%, 40% complete. And you don't have the funds to finish it. And I can say there's nothing worse than utilizing a home gym that's only 30 to 40% complete, especially if you're just transitioning to the home gym world. What happens with this is you start getting some bad workouts in because it's not designed and built to how it should be. So now you have a bunch of bad workouts, you spend some money, you're not happy with the decision, you're not enjoying your workouts. And what ends up happening for these folks is they don't finish their home gym. They give up on the dream, they sell their equipment, they go back to a commercial gym. So having a plan, setting your budget ahead of time, sticking to that plan, making decisions so that you stick to the plan are all very important when building a home gym. And that's really why that is written as my number one tip, even though it's not the number one tip, it's still an important tip. Now, kind of in that same vein, there's a there's an expression in the garage gym and home gym community out there, um, and it essentially goes like this. Buy right or buy twice, or as Coop from Garage Gym Review says, buy nice or buy twice. And I really believe this in all aspects of life. It doesn't matter if it's garage gyms, home gyms. Really, when we're looking at buying stuff, how much money do you want to spend versus how much is you know a really good version of that? So I mean, I can even give you an example with my podcasting equipment. You know, how much would it have cost me to do it on the cheap end or how much would it have cost me to get this equipment on the high end and then maybe we're somewhere in the middle and really the differences between what I found out for podcast gear between mid-tier and high-tier weren't extravagant, but the prices were. So I settled somewhere in the middle to upper end of equipment and mixers and things like that because I wanted to deliver a very good experience for the podcast listener. But at the same time, I didn't want to just waste my money and buy a couple hundred dollars of gear that I would outgrow and would have to then just try to sell or, or buy new stuff later. I just wanted to have something that I could sit down, do my podcast episodes, talk to you guys. You guys could enjoy it, listen to it, high quality, all that stuff, and not have to worry about this going forward. And I have the same perspective when it comes to building a home gym, right? I don't want to cut corners, right? Yeah, you can go out there and buy a squat rack for $200, $300. You can also go out there and buy one for $3,000. Do I think you need the $3,000 rack? No, definitely not. Maybe. But, but I wouldn't say it's an absolute must. Do I think you should buy the $300 rack? No, definitely not. I think you should spend a bit more money, buy something that's going to last, that you're going to enjoy using, and really something that is going to make you feel safe when you're using it, right? I can tell you, I've lifted on some, uh, you know, 14 gauge steel, one inch by one inch squat racks. And I mean, even if you're lifting a couple hundred pounds, it does not feel very safe. It's not fun to use. Um, you definitely feel like you're in a cheap home gym and that just takes away from the whole experience. 
Now, the flip side of this too is also when you buy something nice or you buy it right, it's going to last you a long time. And if you're committed to a home gym and this is something that you want as a permanent investment in your house, in your garage, in your shed, wherever you're putting this, then, then just do it right the first time, right? And there's definitely some pieces that you can buy and slowly upgrade, right? If you buy a solid squat rack, you can add stuff to it. So if you just start right with that proper squat rack, spend the money on that, maybe sacrifice by not buying some of the accessories right away, you're going to thank me in the long run. Trust me on that. Now, I think when it comes down to it, the different there's different pieces of gym equipment that you could spend on. We're going to kind of get into that a little bit more later. Uh, but just a quick plug uh, for the website. There are two blog posts that I've written specifically on how to select appropriate barbells and weight plates and squat racks. So be sure to check that out if you want a little bit of a deeper dive for how to buy right. If you want to know what buying wrong versus buying right looks like. Okay, next piece. Don't forget your flooring. Okay, this is something that a lot of people forget about. They try to build their gym on concrete or they try to build it on hardwood or carpet or whatever else. It's just, it's often overlooked, but it is very important. So when we talk about gym equipment, the barbell is very important because it's what connects you to the load, the weights. But what's underneath your feet is the flooring. And if you have not very good flooring, doesn't matter how good your barbell is because you're going to have very poor squats if you're trying to squat on carpet, let's say. So um, for me, my biggest, I, I, I shouldn't even say for me, for everybody, the most common uh, material to use for your home gym flooring is rubber. Rubber is a fantastic uh, material to use for your flooring. I'll give you a ton of good reasons why. Okay, ready? One, it provides you with the grip and traction you need to keep safe while lifting. Now, that's super important. If you've ever tried to lift on hardwood or maybe some sort of tile, doesn't exactly provide you the same amount of grip as a rubber floor does, especially when you're, when you're sweating or you spill water or any of that piece. Okay, next piece, number two, it helps protect the equipment. Let's say you're deadlifting with metal weight plates, well, if you're dropping those metal weight plates because you're deadlifting with them and you're dropping them on concrete, over time, that's going to break down those weight plates. So we don't want that. So just another good reason to put down some rubber. Number three, this is a super important one. It helps to dampen the sound of your workouts. So if you're like me and you're in a townhouse and you have neighbors on both sides, that's a bit of a big deal. You don't want to piss off your neighbors because, uh, I mean, you just don't want to piss off your neighbors. It's the right thing to do. But at the same time, uh, they can definitely get back at you uh, when they're blasting their music or you could just start a whole neighbor war. Don't want to get into that. Just do the right thing. Put some rubber down. Helps to dampen those sounds or even for people in the house. You know, I have where I'm working out in the basement. My girlfriend's upstairs on the third floor lift um, uh, working. I don't want to he have her hear my music, my my deadlifts when she's trying to work and concentrate. Okay, it's another great reason. Number four is it acts as a little bit like insulation. Obviously, this depends on the thickness, but let's say you're working out in a garage. It just acts as that additional barrier between you and that concrete garage floor. The concrete is going to be really cold, so this rubber in between is going to help you and just add as a bit of insulation, keep you a little bit warmer. Number five, I think we're on number five, one, two, three, four, five. Yep, five. It provides you with a stable and dense surface to lift on. Okay, this is this is probably the biggest reason. Unlike, say, carpet, 
right, which does not provide you that, rubber is going to ensure that you have the grip and you have the stability. So when you're squatting, you're nice and safe, okay? And then the last piece, number six, is it's more comfortable to work out on a rubber floor than a concrete floor. Let's say you're you know, doing some floor presses, some ab work, whatever you want to do, it's a lot more comfortable to do that on the rubber floor than on a cold concrete floor. So rubber is absolutely the way to go. You need to get rubber for, rubber for your home gym floor. I can absolutely promise that you will not regret that. Now, what I want to also recommend or not recommend is absolutely with all costs, avoid foam. Now, if you go on Amazon or you go to Walmart, you'll see what looks like rubber tiles, but they're really foam tiles. And foam, unlike rubber, even though it has some similar properties to the rubber, it is not nearly as dense. And so what happens is when you step on those foam tiles, just think of it like a yoga mat, you sink into the floor. And so that provides a bit of instability. So you do get some of the other benefits, but because you get that instability, I absolutely do not recommend them. They also don't stick together nearly as well as the rubber tiles. So if we're actually going to dive into the different rubber flooring options that you have, there's really three options. So uh, the first one that I kind of have alluded to here are rubber interlocking tiles. So these look like those foam tiles and they're about two feet by two feet. And uh, it's very simple to put these together. It's like a puzzle piece where all the puzzle pieces are the same. So it's not like uh, <laughs> you're struggling to find the pieces. They always fit together, which is the nice piece about this. Um, and I really like these these uh, interlocking tiles because I, I want to say they're easy to install, but they're not like they're they're simple to install. It doesn't take a lot of brain power, but it's definitely not fun installing them. It's not as easy as fitting a puzzle together. It does take a little bit of effort to force these into place. Um, so that's just something to consider. But definitely not impossible. If you're not a handy person, I wouldn't say that you should have too much fear trying to install these. Uh, they're not too hard to figure out. You'll definitely be an expert by the end. Um, if I have two, two pro tips when it comes to picking your interlocking tiles, um, try to find a supplier who has the edge pieces and the corner pieces to these interlocking tiles. This is something super important uh, because there's a lot of these people popping up who are selling these tiles and they only have the center pieces. They don't want to bother stocking the outside pieces. Trust me, you do yourself the favor, find those edge pieces. They're the same price, so it's not like it really costs you anything more. And the reason I say this is because uh, from experience, if you take these center pieces and you try to start them in the corner, well, what you have to do is you have to cut it and make your own corner. And I can promise you, you are not nearly going to be as precise as, as any of those machines and robots that they have making these rubber tiles and, and making those cuts. I don't know if it's with a water jet or whatever it is, but it's super precise. Um, also keep in mind too, the rooms that you're going to be doing the tiling in aren't exactly perfectly rectangular. So there's a bit of error that's introduced in that. And so what can happen is if you're doing the edge pieces and you're making those cuts, you're adding in your human error to the error that's already in the room. And what's going to happen is you might start in the one corner and end in the other corner. And you're going to find that by the time you get to that other corner, it's going to be pretty hard to fit some of those you know, interlocking tiles together. You're going to have a little bit of gaps uh, just because there's a bit of that deviation that exists. Um, so just do yourself a favor, make sure you buy some that have the edge pieces. Start in one corner and I like to do kind of an L shape and then I kind of work my way in line by line by line and then save uh, all cuts if I have to do, if I have to cut the other edge, save that for the end. Um, and then the last pro tip, second pro tip is look for virgin rubber. 
Okay, don't look for recycled rubber. This applies uh, for all the rubber options we have. The reason is because with recycled rubber, what they do is, I mean, they recycle rubber. They grind it up and then they glue it together. The glue that they use is a volatile compound. And so what happens is it's all nicely glued together. But as it sits there, once you bring it into your house, it warms up. Those compounds start getting released and they're toxic. So it is bad for you. But if you leave them, you know, in your basement or your garage, it's not the worst thing in the world. Those smells go away. But really, that's the big thing is it is pretty bad of a smell. Um, you get used to it definitely, especially when you work with it. But if you're not used to it and, you know, we had one client who was, who was installing a gym basically adjacent to her kitchen and, uh, we threw in these, these recycled rubber and it was just so bad. She had to remove it because the smell was too bad. So we said, okay, let's not make that mistake. Virgin rubber all the way. Don't buy recycled rubber. Although if you get into the next, the third option, you have no choice. Uh, so the second option we have and we utilize for rubber are rubber rolls. Okay, so the tiles are really good because they're super easy to install um, and they're not permanent. The rubber rolls are also easy to install, but they are permanent. So these rolls come in a 25 foot long by four foot wide section. Um, again, they're, they're a lot easier to install because you're not clicking things together. Uh, but what you have to do is you have to glue them down in place. Um, so Think of this really as an option more or less for either commercial gyms or just larger home gyms. Uh, but really, the only reason to go this route is if you're okay with it being a permanent setup, uh, then these are a great option. They're actually going to be cheaper than the interlocking tiles, even with the install. Um, and it's also going to save that installer some time, so you'll save some money there too. There's less seams, which is another big thing. Um, so I definitely recommend this option if you're okay with it being uh, permanent solution. Uh, if you ever move or you have to remove it, when you rip it up, they're going to be destroyed. So uh, it's a trade-off between the two. Um, one piece that I hadn't mentioned yet, with either the interlocking tiles or the rolls, most of them are available with what is called a fleck option in terms of their coloring. So black is the standard color, but then you're often allowed to uh, pick a color uh, of 10%, basically is what it is. Um, yellow, green, gray, blue, red, I think those are all the options. And what's really cool is it adds a bit of texture to the floor. Uh, most commonly for us, we just pick gray. But the other piece is, like I had mentioned about um, the the, if you put the interlocking tiles together, uh, you can see kind of where they fit together if it was an all black option. But if you pick one that has 10% gray flex in it, then what happens is it smooths out those edges and it's a lot harder to see those seams and it makes it look one uh, continuous piece. Now you can see it if you really look hard, but I think having the fleck really improves uh, the overall look to it. Now, of course, if you want the rubber rolls, you're going to have even less seams. Um, but the one thing with the rubber rolls is if you're not the best at installing it, you can still have a bit of a gap between the two rolls, which is definitely going to be noticeable whether you have fleck or not. So just something to be aware of. The last, the last option you have for rubber, this was what was most commonly used and it still is most commonly used um, because it was the only option for a very long time and it's horse stall mats. The same ones that the farmers use for their horses. Um, and so you can just get this at your local tractor supply store. They typically come in four foot by six foot or five foot by seven foot or 
three foot by four foot segments. Um, and these are really good. They like, don't get me wrong. These are fantastic. They're usually very thick three quarter inch. Uh, so usually, um, the rubber interlocking tiles or the rolls are about a quarter of an inch thick. So much, much thicker, but these are typically, I haven't found any that are virgin rubber. I've only found them that are recycled rubber. So these typically smell. Uh, only for the first few weeks, but they do have a smell. So I try to only use them in garage gyms where possible. But the benefit here is they're very, very thick. So you don't have to be concerned with dropping things. Uh, it, these are going to hold up, protect the floor underneath. Um, the downside is because they're so thick, they are very heavy to move. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure the four foot by six foot one is about 100 pounds. And you might think, well, uh, Justin, come on, you're a power lifter. You can't move 100 pounds. Um, they're very awkward to move. And so there's a bit of a method to it. You can either use handles or you can fold it in half and try to pick it up. But it feels like you're moving a dead body. Like this thing is not fun to move. I've gotten into some big pickles trying to move these. I've had to call for my girlfriend to help. And uh, it's funny because we could both go to pick it up and you, you might only move three or four. And the next day, I can almost promise you your biceps are going to hurt. Your muscles are going to hurt all around. These things are not fun to move. They're also not fun to cut. So because they are about three times as thick as the tiles or the rolls, they are that much harder to cut. Um, depending on how proficient you are with it, there are some different methods to cut it uh, using the, the best way to cut any of the rubber is going to be with an X-Acto knife. knife. Believe it or not, there's no tools for this. Everybody uses knives. I've looked into this because I wanted a better way. You either get a water jet or you get an X-Acto knife. And with the rubber rolls, uh, you basically score it, make your kind of line where you want to cut it and just keep going over and over and over until you cut through it. And then a bit of a pro tip uh, is slide underneath maybe a piece of plywood or sorry, a two by four or maybe a piece of plastic just to elevate it. And it makes it a little bit easier as you're cutting through it. So I think I've covered it pretty well in depth. Hopefully that uh, you can get the point. Rubber is the way to go. You absolutely want to pick that. Um, so hopefully you can find somebody to help you with that. If you're in the greater Toronto area, I highly, highly, highly recommend a company called Adenac Rubber. Uh, local gentleman there named Jeff Watson. Uh, very great guy. He has a ton of stuff in stock. He's got the corners and the edge pieces. Uh, he's got very good pricing too. Um, and he's just professional guy all around. He'll help you with the install. He'll do the install, whatever you want to do. I've had nothing but good experiences with Jeff. So a uh, quick little shout out to him. <laughs> it's not a paid uh, segment by any means. It's just me shedding him out because this is a guy that does good work. He's local. All right, let's move into the next tip. Tip number four for building a home gym in 2021. Now this is a little bit harder of a tip. Uh, it depends on how many suppliers that you're working with. Uh, but basically the whole intent is you want bulk purchases. So let's say you go ahead and you buy from Rogue or you buy from Rep Fitness or you buy from Strong Arm Sport, Gorilla Fitness, wherever you go. The less suppliers you choose, the better. Because what happens is shipping costs start to add up dramatically, especially if you're going to all these different suppliers. Um, and so we want to try to minimize that where possible. And so how you do that is by trying to consolidate and try to order from just one supplier. Um, but the other piece is by trying not to have multiple orders. So um, the example that I, I have in the blog is we look at Rogue and we say, if you were to buy one squat rack from Rogue, um, the shipping to my house here, 325 bucks. If you were to buy 
two of the exact same squat racks, the shipping's 385 bucks. Okay, so only $60 more and you get a whole other squat rack. And the reason for this is because once you've reached a certain size of equipment that they're shipping to you, they got to put it on a pallet, maybe a four foot by four foot or an eight foot by four foot pallet. And once you've already gone down that road, a bulk of the cost is just the fact that now they have to deliver this on a truck versus you know UPS or FedEx or whoever else. Um, and so the additional cost to just add more weight or throw more stuff in that pallet is not substantial. And so they pay that forward to you. So uh, the example here for an increase of your subtotal uh, of, of price. So obviously you go from one squat racks to two, you have a hundred percent increase. You're spending twice as much. Um, the shipping cost only goes up by 18%. So just further emphasizing that buying bulk or, or buying from one supplier, consolidating together is going to save you some money. Nobody wants to talk about shipping costs and taxes, but it's the reality of it. Home gym equipment's not heavy. So do what you can try to order from one or two suppliers and try to order with only one or two orders. I know it's easier than said than done, but just, just try to keep that in mind. Okay. Next piece. So now when you're buying that equipment, what equipment do you buy? And really for me, like I said, you can go on the website or check out previous uh, uh, episodes about how to select squat racks, barbells, weight plates. But really the goal is you want to have compact and versatile equipment. Okay. So typically space and budget are limited. So we don't want to buy pieces of equipment that take up a lot of space, take up a lot of budget and is not versatile. Okay. So think of machines that only work a small group of muscles maybe a glute ham developer, reverse hyper, leg press machine, things like that. Okay, they're going to take up a lot of space, a lot of budget, and you're only going to be able to target a few specific muscles. So when you're thinking about buying or building a home gym, and you're just starting off, if you're debating between pieces of equipment, which equipment is going to be more versatile, which equipment is going to allow you to do more and get better workouts. Okay, so for example, if you're debating between adding a dip bar to your squat rack versus uh, maybe a lat pull-down attachment, the lat pull-down attachment is going to win all day, every day because you can do possibly low rows with it, bicep curls, leg kickbacks, tricep extensions, lat pull-downs. Uh, the list really goes on and on and on versus the dip bar. Uh, you can do dips. Now, granted, I know I'm making a comparison between the two and their prices are not <laughs> similar, but just to give you an example of uh, equipment that you should add versus maybe you don't add. Okay, so just have that in the back of your mind when you're selecting your equipment. Now, this is something that I could basically talk an entire episode on, but a good barbell is absolutely worth its weight in gold. So once you have your appropriate flooring, the next piece you really want to go home and spend some good money on is the barbell. We touched upon this in the first episode, but the whole point behind working out in a home gym or the whole methodology are typically compound movements, squatting, benching, deadlifting, overhead pressing, all the weightlifting movements that I'm not super familiar or proficient at. And also I can't do because I only have a seven foot home gym, but the barbell is involved in all of these movements. And so what happens is if you pick a poor performing barbell, every single workout, every single one of those movements is going to be impacted by that. And it's just going to take away from your overall experience of having the home gym. So spend a little bit more money here and you will absolutely not regret it. I, you can take that one to the bank. 
Okay, so you got your good barbell, you got your good rubber flooring, you've picked your good equipment, you've, you've stuck to your budget, you saved some money on shipping costs. What next, right? How do you really take it to the next level? And for me, like I said at the beginning, it's more than just buying equipment. This is about building a home gym, okay? And those are two different things. So this is how you really get it from just a room full of equipment to a home gym. It's by customizing that space and making it your own. Okay, making it your home gym, exactly what you're looking for, making it a space that you like going to, you enjoy being there, you want to take selfies in, post on Instagram, all that good stuff. Just understand when you're at the commercial gym, they do a very good job of that. They have good lighting, they have good flooring, they got mirrors, walls, sometimes murals, photos of bodybuilders, TVs, you name it, they've got it and it's a great atmosphere. You want to try to have a good atmosphere in your home gym, but we also don't want to break the bank. So uh, here are my, really my top three uh, cost-effective ways to, to boost the aesthetics or the ambiance for your home gym. So the first one is a fresh coat of paint. This is an absolute must. Depending on what the space was used for before, it may not have any coat of paint at all. It might just be, it might be drywalled. It might not even be drywalled, but Putting on some drywall, fresh coat of paint is just going to finish that space, make it feel more complete. Um, typically, most gyms are going to be in a basement or a garage, so I'd recommend lighter colors just to brighten that space up. But I will say, if you do have ample lighting, that's not always a requirement. Uh, we just did a home gym build where they painted the walls black and like a dark navy blue, and it was in a basement. But with, with the lighting they had, the pot lights, it just popped. All the equipment just looked fantastic. The fresh coat of paint, fantastic choice. Very, very good uh, to those clients. Hats off to them. Now, the next piece that goes along with this are hanging posters or hanging banners. So a lot of your favorite fitness equipment manufacturers or apparel companies, uh, they either offer for free or, or pretty cheap uh, to hang their banners in your gym. And just, it can be brands that you support. It can be really even posters of, you know, bodybuilders, like I said, that you follow or powerlifters or whatever else. But having a few of those, those or even bands, it could even be bands, ACDC, Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, some of my favorites, throw them up there because it just, it just enhances that space, makes it feels like your own, makes it a bit more personal. Um, and then when you post photos on Instagram, sparks up conversations and other people. Uh, and then the last piece uh, that you know I kind of alluded to was having good lighting. Good lighting is super, super important. Now, you don't have to go full out and install pot lights like some of my customers do. Um, instead, just focus on what you can do to upgrade that space. So big shout out to Brandon Campbell. Uh, he posted a photo, a video rather, on YouTube about LED lights that he purchased on Amazon. Um, and it was really cool. He was able to change all the lights out in his ceiling for pretty cheap. And his home gym lighting now is fantastic. looks amazing. Um, and yeah, it wasn't a very costly expense. And it definitely took his home gym aesthetics to the next level. My pro tip around this is not so focused on the, the lights, but it's accessory lights. So a fun way that I've added to my home gym setup are by adding LED, again, LED, but light strips to the perimeter around the ceiling. So you can get these on Amazon. I think they come in like 50-foot lengths. Um, you can get them so they hook up to the Wi-Fi. Make sure you get that one. And what you can do is they literally come with a self-adhering glue uh, or tape on it, and you just put them around the perimeter of your entire home gym or your platform or your squat rack, wherever you want to put them, 
And what happens is you can control the lights and turn them on from your phone and they change colors, they can change to the beat, they can do whatever. And I, I just think it's really cool. It, it really accentuates the gym and, and just takes it to that next level. Um, and I really, really like it. Um, now, it can you know dance to the music, which I find super distracting. I just put it on kind of a, a white slash blue light and I find it just you got to see it. I know we're on a podcast, so it's not exactly the easiest to to show you without saying go to my Instagram. Uh, but yeah, go to my Instagram. You'll see some photos of it. Really takes it to the next level. And again, only like 50 bucks or so. Uh, ton of fun. Highly recommend it. Okay. Now again, kind of in the same vein, uh, my number eight of my top 10 tips are don't forget your mirrors. Mirrors are a crucial part of a home gym, of any gym. You might not be the type to take selfies and post on Instagram. That's totally fine. Mirrors are still important while working out. Um, I know for me, like when I do my dumbbell accessory work, I love having the mirror behind that dumbbell rack so I can watch myself as I'm doing chest press, press, bicep curls, all that fun stuff. Um, So definitely want to get one there. Um, Some people like to squat with a mirror in front of their squat rack. Personally, I don't, um, and it's not because, oh, I'm so good, I don't need it. Um, it's when I compete in powerlifting, you, there's no mirrors. You have to get used to squatting without the mirror, so I have to train like that, or else when I go to the platform, I'm going to be you know, just completely lost. Um, so that would be another spot to look to add a mirror. Um, and really, my top tip is um, where to place a mirror. Just think about having them across from something that's worth reflecting. So my home gym, I have it across from one of my Canadian flags, and I just find that um, it just it, it doubles the Canadian flags. It kind of adds to the color of the room, makes it feel a little bit bigger. So that's just kind of the only one that w- in my home gym that really um, fits with that statement. The other one that I have is going to be behind the dumbbell rack um, and none in front of the squat rack, like I said. Now, when it comes to actually selecting the mirror, um, I basically have two recommendations. So if, if you're doing this at home, um, and you live there, I should say you're not a renter, uh, probably go with a permanent setup, which would involve gluing the mirror to a wall. That may or may not be optimal for some people, but it's definitely a good suggestion. Um, and the reason I have this is because you're probably going to break the mirror at some point, unless you're very careful, but depending on how long you're in there, um, it might break, but when it's glued to the wall, all those pieces that break, it's just, it's going to get cracked and it's going to stay on the wall. So it's going to be pretty safe versus right now for me, my mirrors are, are leaned up against the wall. So if they break, they're shattering everywhere. So from a safety perspective, that's a benefit to gluing them. Um, the gluing them also can elevate them. So that also prevents them from getting cracked. If you have them a couple of feet off the ground, a rolling barbell, a rolling dumbbell, it's not going to crack them as easily. It's going to take a lot more effort to crack them. Um, so definitely a good suggestion to hang them. Uh, but again, if you're like me, you're a renter, you can't hang them. This is my my pro tip, my gym hack. And it's probably the only one that I figured out on my own. Um, is I bought sliding closet doors on Facebook Marketplace uh, which have mirrors on them. And you can get them pretty close to four feet by six feet. And I, these are great because they're only a hundred bucks is what I found them for. So I bought three of them and I can lean them against the walls in my home gym and they're supported. They're not going to break. The best part is when we go to move, I can just remove them and I can I either hang them or sell them or do whatever, but they're not going to damage the walls. So there's my, my hot pro tip for your mirrors when it comes to those renters out there. All right, tip number nine. Wow, we're just flying through these. Hopefully, everybody's enjoying them. Um, 
And and this is with regards to dumbbells. So a lot of the other guys like Coop from Garage Gym Reviews are big fans of adjustable dumbbells. And personally, I'm not a fan. Um, and I think part of the reason is we don't have a ton of access to good adjustable dumbbells in Canada like they do in the States. Uh, so the ones that I've used are just not the easiest or not the most fun to change. Um, and they just, it really impacts when you're trying to go from one weight to another, especially if you're working out with multiple folks, um, like your, your significant other or whoever else. So for me, I obviously recommend dumbbells if the budget can afford it. Um, and most people that come to us, they just say, oh, I want dumbbells from five to a hundred pounds. And this is where the, this is where this advice is intended for. You don't need up to a hundred pounds. And if I break down the math for you, you're going to totally agree with me. So five to 50 pounds, a five to 50 pound set in five pound increments weighs 550 pounds. A 55 to hundred pound set of dumbbells in five pound increments weighs 1,550 pounds. A five to 100 pound set of dumbbells with five pound increments is 2,100 pounds. And so when you put it like that and you say, look, um, you know, you're only buying 200, 250 pounds of weight for your home gym, for your barbell workouts. Do you really need 2,100 pounds of dumbbells? And then when you put it like that, they go, oh, well, yeah, of course. Right. And then you go, okay, well, dumbbells are anywhere between two to $3 a pound Canadian. Uh, that's just the current price right now. So for your five to 100 pound pairs of dumbbells, you're talking over $5,000. And that's usually what convinces them to go, you know what, uh, maybe the eighties and the nineties and the hundreds, I'm not going to use that often and they'll scale it back. So, um, that's why for most folks, I recommend just a five to 50 pound set. Good to get you started. You can add maybe in increments of 10 or in 20, you know, as you kind of see fit. Uh, but really my whole focus is a 55 pound to hundred pound set is going to cost you 2.8 times as much as the five to 50 pound set. And they do not get utilized 2.8 times as often. So some of those lighter weights, fives, tens, and fifteens, they get used during the warmups. They get used during some of the actual exercises, um, and they get used by everybody. So for myself, I work with my girlfriend, my sister comes over, my dad comes over, my brother, everybody comes over, my mom, and we're all going to use the five to fifteens. We're not all going to use the sixties, the hundreds. So why spend money, especially when you're first building a gym, on those really heavy ones that not everybody's going to use? Okay, so moral of the story, you do not need as many dumbbells as you think. I also have a few creative solutions for how to get a little bit heavier if you only have that five to 50 pound set. Um, so really, the well, I guess it's only one suggestion. It's you can utilize resistance bands. So most of those dumbbell workouts, you can add in a resistance band and it's going to add extra weight or extra loading, extra resistance to that dumbbell. So you're gonna have the net effect of it feeling heavier, uh, the other thing that you could do is you can buy a loadable dumbbell bar. Um, and, you know, this kind of constitutes as buying an adjustable dumbbell. But what I found is you can just buy the weight and just load it a little bit heavier, like a 60 or an 80, and just have it just sitting there. Um, and just for when you want to go heavier, and then, you know, you change it once a workout or every other exercise or something like that. But um, it just gives you the option of going heavier, but not for the bulk of your work, just for those one or two exercises or one or two sets. Um, alternately, you could buy an adjustable pair of dumbbells that go up to 90 pounds and just leave them there and they're set to go at 90. So those are the options there. Now, here's my last tip. Top 10 tips. This is tip number 10. Um, you know, this kind of, uh, it could fit anywhere in the top 10, but I do think this is incredibly important and it's to add structure to your training. 
Okay. The, the, the leap from commercial gym to a home gym can be big for many people, especially if you're not accustomed to, sorry, if you are accustomed to just walking in a commercial gym and doing what you feel like, you can't do that with the home gym because you don't have hundreds of machines to choose from. So, you know, you probably just got a squat rack, barbell, weight plates, bench, maybe some dumbbells. So you need to now have a workout that's going to, or sorry, a workout program that's going to allow you to get as effective of a workout as you would in a commercial gym, but with not nearly the amount of equipment. So in order to do this, I recommend getting a program. You can either hire a coach or you can just find barbell and dumbbell only workouts online on like bodybuilding.com. Uh, but the whole point behind this is you just got to have a bit of a plan, change the, ma- change the mindset into, uh, you know, you're going to do whatever you feel like to you're going in with a specific plan. You have a reason to be there. You're going to get stuff done and you will absolutely have a much better uh, and effective workout overall. And that, my friends, are my top 10 tips for building a home gym in 2021. I want to thank everybody so much for listening to another episode. If you want to check me out, like I said on uh, at the beginning, on social media, you can find us at on Instagram, TikTok, that's where we're most active, as well as Twitter, YouTube, or the website. Just look for Custom Home Gyms Canada. Don't forget the S at the end of Home Gyms. It's it's a long name. Bear with me. But hey, you know what? It, it does the job. We We get things done with that name. You know exactly what we do. We have a little saying here at Custom Home Gyms Canada, and it's, Why go big or go home when you can go big and stay home? With that, I want to thank everybody very much for listening to the episode. Stay tuned for the next one. Thank you so much for listening.